If you would uh, bear with me as I read a response by an individual who is a Christian. As they were responding to the South Carolina members who forgave Dylan Roof, the shooter. Quote, although I'm definitely not, not a although I'm definitely a believer in God, I'm not a Christian and don't believe in forgiveness. He said they are a Christian. Unless a person who wronged me is or was insane or act against me or my family, and it was indeed an accident. I see no so-called evidence in this particular case. So I conclude that any possible forgiveness has not been earned by Mr. Ruth. Therefore, he would get none from me ever. End of quote. Father, as we began to wrap our heads around this message, God, I pray that you would just to speak, that you would just have your way, that you would touch us where we should be touched. At the words of this preacher's mouth and the meditations of this preacher's heart would be acceptable before you. You are the one that we are honoring and glorifying. None but you. In the precious and matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We have been going through a series from a book The Good and Beautiful Community by James Bryan Smith. And this part of the series talks about reconciling, a reconciling community. Something we began last Sunday and then we kind of do a a little deeper dive on it this time. And I have the privilege of doing that part of it in the next 18 and a half minutes. The only way we can forgive is by letting God re-narrate or retell our story, the story of our lives, in the context of God's meta-narrative, that is God's grand story of Jesus who forgave his enemies and died for them. This, I believe, is the underlying message of the gospel, and it is the message of reconciliation. Folks, let me tell you something. This is the piece that if you, if you miss this piece, you miss the entirety of the message, the gospel message. Because all of all, everything that we talk about in this Bible, the very essence of this Bible is basically a simple message that says man was in trouble. And God recognized that he was in trouble and God did something. Man did not take the initiative. God took the initiative. God took the initiative and did something. And so when we talk about a reconciling community, I'd like to talk to you briefly in the context of Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Hear the word of the Lord. 2 Corinthians five seventeen to 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself 
and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Here's going to be a piece that you're going to hear me say one more time during this message. So if you miss it this time, I'm going to say this again. A reconciling community. We are the people of God claiming to be people that have been reconciled, redeemed, regenerated, people made new in Christ. Such a community is a Christ-centric community called to be ambassadors for the advancement of God's program in the world. I think I'm going to say that again. A reconciling community is a Christ-centric community called to be ambassadors for the advancement of God's program in the world. You cannot forgive. We cannot forgive when we, when we don't understand that our story, our individual stories are connected in the big story of God. We can forgive when we allow God to retell our story within the greater story of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. The only way that you and I can be reconciled with each other and forgive each other is when we first recognize that God has already done something. If you do not get that peace that God has already done something, you will find yourself in a situation where you will forever be trying to figure out how to pay God, how to get merits, how to earn something with God, because it won't be palatable to you that God can just offer a gift without getting something. There's three messages that I believe are in this few, these few lines that Paul is speaking, the apostle And I want to just simply just call them real quickly here. The text, I believe, is suggesting three messages from the Christ narrative for those who are ambassadors for Christ. We are claiming to be ambassadors for Christ. We're claiming to be people that represent Christ's agenda. If you are a person that is in Christ, that is, you are basically a person that says, I am representing God's agenda on earth. The text suggests three messages from this narrative for those who are ambassadors for Christ. One is the message of regeneration. Two is the message of reconciliation. Three is the message of redemption. I believe those three messages are tied into this call that you and I have as ambassadors, those that are representing God's program on earth. Verse 17, I want to start right there. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. An ambassador for Christ has experienced regeneration in Christ. You cannot be an ambassador if you're not representing something, some, some, some sort of sense of that God has already done something and you now are authorized because God has called you to do this, to represent him. Titus 3, chapter 3, 
verses 4 and 5 says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God, our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. God has done these things because he loved us, because he loved us so much. He rescued us, and therefore, since he rescued us, there's nothing we can do but simply accept it, according to his own mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. God has changed us. He has changed us. If you are a person that has been born again, God has changed you. The necessity of regeneration for all individuals has grown out of the fact that you start at this place where man is totally depraved. This is a hard lesson for people that are outside of the, this, this whole grand story of God because you have to first admit that you're broken. The natural man, scripture says, is dead in trespasses and sins, alienated from the life of God. Ephesians goes on to say that because of his iniquities have separated him from God. We are alienated, we are separated, we are isolated from God until we come to a place of saying, God, I can't do it. Have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. Until you get to that place where you throw your hands up and say, God, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. You cannot move into a place of representing anything for God because you, you, you haven't been regenerated yourself. The need for being regenerated is universal. Scripture says there is none righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is not one person that can stand and say, well, I've never done anything wrong. I go to church, I go to Sunday school, I serve, I do this, I do all these things, I give money to the church. It won't buy you anything. It's a good thing to do those things. But until you get to a place of saying, I have been regenerated, I have been born again. It's the very gist of the problem that that Nicodemus was struggling with when he came to Jesus. Nicodemus was this religious person, one of the religious Pharisee type persons that had heard about Jesus. And he came to Jesus quietly away from his brothers. And he wanted to ask Jesus some questions about, but he didn't want anybody else to know that he was talking to Jesus. And so they're having this conversation. And Jesus mentions this thing about being regenerated, being born again, unless a person is born again. And Nicodemus completely misconstrues what he's saying and says, oh, well, that doesn't make sense. How can I'm old? How can I go back and and, and into my mother's womb and be born again? He wasn't talking about a physical birth. It was a spiritual birth. Jesus said, you're a teacher of the law. You should know these things. You cannot see the kingdom of God without rebirth. In Genesis, God says, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Genesis 6, 5. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There are none that does good. Not one. Psalm 14, 2 and 3. God has already declared that, that, that something is, is, is amiss with us. We're broken. We need regeneration. And then the next part of that message is for the ambassadors. is a message of reconciliation. When you are regenerated, that is when you get to a place of saying, God, I, I need you. I'm broken. I need you. 
You surrender. It's a message of reconciliation. Verse 18 and 19 says, all this is from God. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. That is, he's a new created creature. He's a new person. It is a status change. Your position now is in Christ. The things that used to occur when your status was alienation from God and separation from God has changed now. And now you and I are in this place where our position is new creation, new creature in Christ. That's what, the, that's what happens when we encounter Christ. We become new. Everything becomes new. Does it mean that you're perfect? No, it means that you become a work in progress and God begins through his spirit working out all the nooks and crannies and all the little weird things and the little quirks that you have shaping and making you and me to be like him. Getting us to a place where we can tolerate and deal with one another and love one another. Even if we have differences with one another, we can say, yes, we have differences, but we still love each other. The Greek word is katalasso, which means reconciliation, restoration. It is the result, resulting of Christ and precisely exchanging his righteousness, that is his blood righteousness, for our guilt. Does that sound familiar, great exchange covenant church? It is essentially the great exchange. God takes his righteousness and trades it for our sinfulness, our guilt and shame. And that great exchange allows us to be clothed now in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's, 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 the, that's the beauty of this. I don't have to try to be right. I am right You are right. We are righteous before God because he has clothed us in the righteousness of Jesus Christ if we've been regenerated and reconciled in God. God is the agent. God is reconciling us. We're not reconciling God. God is reconciling us in him. An ambassador has experienced reconciliation in Christ and recognizes that God puts right broken people so that broken people can be used in putting right other broken people. God put us right so we can put right. That's the way he works. God reconciled us to himself, removing that which created estrangement and disconnect because he is a holy God. Now, does that, is that the end of the story? No, because we still have to trust him. We still have to repent. You see, you can get all of this stuff, but until you and I get to a place of saying, yeah, I got it, and yes, I do need you, Lord, and yes, you're right, I am a sinner. See, some people can't even get to the place of saying, I am a sinner. That's a hard pill because we live in a generation and a time where everybody thinks that, hey, I'm not bad. I'm not, I'm not a shooter. I'm not a per- person that does drugs. I haven't done any bad things. I don't, I'm not a wife beater. I'm not a husband beater. I'm not, I, I don't have any of those issues. Yeah, if, if you don't do anything but just be goody two-shoes, you still need Jesus Christ's salvation. You are lost. We are lost apart from God. And only God can change our status and position for his glory. Reconciliation is focused on restoring broken relationships. And it is a process. Isaiah 59 two says, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. 
as the prophet Isaiah speaking way before Christ was on the scene. God putting out that that's the condition of man that's not reconciled, that's not regenerated. And then finally, there's a message of redemption. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making his appeal through us. We beg you. We parakaleo you. We, 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 we call you. We, we, we're grabbing you. Do this on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled. That's the message. He's not telling the Corinthians that they should be reconciled because they're already reconciled. They're Christians. He's speaking to these Christian folks, but he's saying, this is my passion. This is my message. This is what I get excited about. The message of going out begging and calling people into repentance. An ambassador for Christ is passionately committed to the message of redemption in Christ. What does redemption look like? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and none and are justified by his grace as a gift. Through redemption that is in Christ Jesus, it is a gift of God. When God redeems us, it's a gift. For by grace, you hear us be in the church, we talk about grace all the time. For by grace you have been saved. That God is doing something for us. He has done something for us. Knowing that you were ransomed ransomed from the futile ways, futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of the lamb without blemish or spot. I love the book of Hebrews. And one of the things I love about the book of Hebrews is that you start to read and you get, you get a, you can't read anywhere through the book of Hebrews. You can't read that book unless you come away sensing that, oh my God, God has done some incredible stuff for us. And he started way back, way, 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 way back in the, in the garden. Even after Adam and Eve had failed miserably in disobeying God, God was already beginning to work salvation out. To get man back to a place of of bringing him back into a right relationship with himself. And I'm afraid that what's happening in this time that we live in is the story has gotten muddy. That some kind of way we hear about God and we kind of like, oh yeah, God, yeah, I believe in God, I believe in God. Just like our, our person that I read at the beginning of this message, yeah, I believe in God. Yeah, but take it to the next step. And the next step is, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe that he died for your sins? He died for my sins. Do you believe that you have been put in a right status with God now? In him, we have redemption through his blood. In the book of Hebrews, it goes through that whole thing about what they did in the, in, in, with the, in the ancients, how they were worshiping God. And it goes on with these great stories, and I love it, around chapter 8 and 9. If you ever get a chance, read chapter 8, 9, and 10. It talks about how the priest in the ancient tradition of, of Israel, the priest would go into the temple on behalf of the people. 
But the high priest could go all the way to the Holy of Holies. But even going into the Holy of Holies, and there's this discussion about blood being sprinkled on everything. Because in the Old Testament tradition, there had to be the sprinkling of blood because that, that was a cleansing. Uh, uh, it's a ceremonial kind of cleansing. Cleansing of the outward person, the flesh. And so you, you, you cleanse by throwing blood and sprinkling blood. And that was part of a whole ritualistic thing that would occur. The problem with that is you, every year the priest and, the, and the, the high priest would have to do the same thing. You'd have to bring people, animals to the, to the temple and have them sacrifice and sprinkle blood and all that stuff to get their, their, their sense of being cleansed before God. And what God was doing, he was giving us a picture of what would happen when his son came on the scene. That no longer would they have to worry about that because in the old system, under the old covenant, the conscience was not addressed. The flesh was addressed because the flesh was cleansed with the sprinkling of the blood and all of that ritualistic stuff. But the conscience was still damaged. And what God was doing was he was saying, okay, now here's how I'm going to set up the conscience. I'm going to have my priest, my high priest, that priest. Somebody said after the order of Melchizedek, that priest. Go into the temple once and for all. And his blood would be shed once and for all for us. And he won't have to keep going and being nailed to the cross every year. No, just one time. And that one time would allow us to have our sins covered in the past, the present, and the future. Every sin that you have not even committed yet is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Does that give you a carte blanche to go out? And, yeah, whoa, whoa, boy, I can have a good time now. No, because now you don't want to do that because you want to honor him. You want to love him. You want, you want him to, 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 you want to be obedient. You want to live in that place as, as an ambassador for Christ, representing him in the right way. Ambassadors serve the sovereign on a foreign soil. Are we serving the sovereign on a foreign soil? Yeah. Somebody said we're, we're, we're strangers, we're aliens in the land. Ambassadors are sent with a message from the sovereign. Do we have a message? Yes, we do. We have the message of reconciliation. What is that, Pastor Ali? It is a message saying simply that Jesus Christ has died for you and for me. Ambassadors know that they are strangers wherever they serve. Yes, sometimes the message will make us feel lonely. Ambassadors have an obligation to be an advocate for the, who, who, the, the sovereign that sent us. Yes. Ambassadors are brokers of peace. We as a reconciling community, we're people that when we see discord, we're peacemakers. We're people that love peace. Why? Because the prince of peace, the prince of peace is the one who has spoken peace into our hearts through regeneration. Reconciliation, redemption. He is the one that has given us now the message of reconciliation. We can be representative. We can be those individuals that go before God, go before his people and represent him. Can you represent him at school with other kids? Yes. One of the most powerful things going on right now, I think, with young people. You don't have to wait until you get old and then say, well, I might as well come to Jesus because I'm old now. No, you, you, you can come to Jesus now 
It's a powerful message when young people, young girls and boys say, yes, I know the Lord. Yes, Jesus is real to me. When somebody is having a meltdown or some issue and you say, can we pray right now? To blow them away. Because you're saying you trust Jesus. You are an ambassador for Christ. That's what it means to represent God. God is looking for people that are willing to stand up and say, yes, I want to represent you, Lord. I don't want to just talk the talk. I don't want to just wear a shirt that says I'm a Christian or have a cross around my neck. I, I, I want to move beyond all the symbolism. And I want, in fact, the reality of a reconciled heart to manifest itself in my walk, in my talk, in my relationships. I want to be a person that's able to forgive. How does that happen? Well, I have to first recognize that he first forgave me. I've talked to people that have struggled with that area of forgiveness. And it's a big deal for them. And I've been there. I know what that's about. I'm not going to go into the testimony of it right now. But for years and years, even as a Christian, I had an unforgiving heart toward a father who was abusive to my mother growing up. And it wasn't until years later that I was preaching a message on forgiveness that God spoke to me in the middle of the message and said, what you're telling them, that's what I want you to do concerning your father. I heard it just as clear as I'm talking to you now. And I left that message and no one knew after the message was over that I had to go and fall on my face and say, forgive me. Forgive me, God. And I had to go get it right with my father. A reconciling community is a Christ-centered community called to be ambassadors for the advancement of God's program in the world. Are you up for being an ambassador for Christ? We are a reconciled community, and we represent God. Amen. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. Thank you for this community that loves you. We want to get it right, God. Help us to get it right. In Jesus' name, amen.